December 8th, 2014, the 2014 season premiere of WWE's Monday Night Raw is in the books. And now on the that of... I'm off to an amazing start here. And now on the schedule for everybody is the Raw Reaction. Good evening, everybody. I'm Harry Broadhurst, my co-host, returning after missing last week's episode, Tony Acero. Tony, can you hear me? Yo. I'm off to a phenomenal start already. I heard. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, let's get down You see, this is what happens when your computer is sitting on your bed while you're doing the podcast and your cat walks by the computer and hits a button. I don't know. I find not it quite, entertaining. <laughs> not quite Stephen Randall's cat showing up every column. But, you know, yeah. she's trying that to make her presence going on forever. <laughs> well, Stephen's done with the Monday News experience now, and we wish him well. So I look forward to yes, kicking his ass in fantasy football. <laughs> So, what's up, man? How was your break? Um, it was nice. I'm glad that I was not here to talk about quite possibly the worst edition of Raw in quite some time. Um, <laughs> I thought two weeks ago oh. was bad, but last week, oh my God. Oh, me and uh, me and Paul Bryan Leezer of Wrestling to the Max, he filled in for you last week. We went off on pretty much the entirety of last week's episode. <laughs> You damn well should have. Including the segment that, I mean, we were hesitant to bring it up around you. The segment in regards to Nikki, Bree, Paige, and AJ all at once in the same ring. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll bring that up this week along uh, along with what we'll talk about regarding the, you know, the Divas match. As you can tell, you know, just by the rundown itself, AJ wasn't prominent on it, mainly because they're doing something that I'm really not liking. Um for numerous reasons. Does anybody else have a really bad feeling about the way the Divas title match is going to go at Night of Champions? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This this, this could end badly, folks. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it here. Let's get into the bulk of our episode, and let's talk about Raw, shall we? Yep, let's do it. All right. Now, normally we choose to start with our opening segment, either our opening segment or our main event. Tonight, we actually are not doing that because the first thing that you mentioned was the Cena promo here, and I think it's important to mention the Paul Heyman promo as part of that as well there because the edit again, Paul Heyman shows why he's arguably the best mic worker the WWE has ever seen. And then I said to you that this is the first time we were talking on Facebook during the course of the show because we talked back and forth while we're setting up the formatting for the show and everything. And I said to you on Facebook that this is the first time Cena has come off almost humanish to me in this entire build towards the rematch with Brock Lesnar. Um, you want to go ahead and give everybody your thoughts on the promo here, and then we'll discuss what this means for both next week's Raw as well as Night of Champions on September 21st. Yeah, um, Heyman came out, and, you know, he, he the beginning of the promo is, you know, every the first two minutes of every Heyman promo is going to be the same thing, um, almost verbatim, but it's on purpose. You know, there's a purpose behind the repetition. Not only does it get the crowd to go along with it, it kind of feeds the anger that you're supposed to feel, like, oh, shut up. 
Now, those of us who enjoy a Heyman promo and like him know what he's doing and enjoy it for that reason. But if you're if you're just a fan watching the show, then this is supposed to piss you off. So that's something that you can enjoy. Now, after the minute or two of repetition, he gets into the meat of whatever it is he's trying to say. Um, I would say that it didn't truly get good until, you know, Cena came out, which is something that is a rarity for me to say, simply because of the way I feel about Cena. But something happened tonight, something that needed to happen years ago. <laughs> John Cena finally justified his stance as a character. Now, we could argue that he's done it before. We could argue that we should have already known this, blah, blah, blah. But there are times within the WWE where a character must stand on its own, and the Cena character rarely ever does that. Um, Whether we agree with his sentimentality or not about fighting for the kid to do his homework or, or the dude that gave him a purple heart, like, whether we agree that that's the people he should be focusing on or not, it makes sense from a human standpoint. You know, he is, in many ways, a hero, and he feels heroic in doing these things. That's what makes a hero. You know, the idea that he speaks for volumes of people rather than, um, you know, just one or two. Case in point, one of the Internet's most favorite characters is CM Punk, who was the voice of the voiceless. Um, Cena gave us a reason to believe why he's doing what he's doing, whether we like what he's doing or not. And then Heyman, of course, not to be one-upped, just went in on him and tried to goad him into a way. He did everything that Wyatt was trying to do in less words, okay? In one sentence that I even pointed out to you on Facebook, he said, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. The devil sold his soul to me a long time ago. Like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) Okay, no one wrote that but Heyman. It had to be him. I mean, if it was anybody else, then why isn't he doing everything? Because that was such a beautiful piece of poetry. That was amazing. Um, You know, he's essentially saying, Cena, don't worry. You're not going to be selling out if you sign with Paul Heyman because I'm Paul fucking Heyman. (laughs) So the segment in a vacuum worked on its own. Now, I also told you that, you know, what did I say in the rundown that it was a it, was, it didn't pack any punch. Because, yet again, we're not building towards Cena versus Heyman. We're building towards Cena versus Brock. And as much as Cena's character was um, encouraged to grow in this particular segment, I would have to say, and this, this, this is something that could be argued with. I already know the retort, but I would have to say that in my mind, in my opinion, it didn't build towards the match. It built towards John Cena, the character. It didn't build towards the inevitable um, showdown, you know, part three of the match. It just just gave a reason to, to, to I guess, um, give Cena something good to talk about. And I, I'll say it worked in, in regards to the fact that, you know, one, like you said, he felt human. And like I said, I, I'm a, I don't like Cena, the character. This right here did a lot to kind of sway that, you know, that, that feeling. Like, hmm, I don't like him, but you know what? I don't have to like him. Whereas every week prior to that, for the last 10 years or so, the WWE has said, you have to like him. Tonight was a little different, and I felt really good about it. All right, two things to touch on about what you stated there. The first one is your comment about how this did nothing to build towards the match with Cena and Lesnar, Cena Lesnar 3. And I'm going to disagree with you, and here's why. I think this match, I think this segment right here was a perfect build towards Heyman Lesnar 3 because we knew we weren't going to get Lesnar for most of the build here. But having Cena interact with Lesnar's advocate here and Heyman being so good at what he does, it keeps everything in the front of people's minds here in addition to doing the video package that they did on Lesnar a little bit later on in the show. But specifically the fact that 
even Heyman is trying to use these same kind of tactics to get inside of Cena's head that a guy like a Bray Wyatt did earlier in the year. Now, rather or not he's going to be able to get underneath Cena's skin with this is up for debate, but the fact that Heyman is trying speaks volumes in and of itself. Yeah. The well, other like thing I said, that... Uh, I, I, oh, go ahead. No, you can finish. All right. The other thing that I was going to touch on there is... Is it just me, or did Cena come off kind of bullyish towards Heyman here tonight? Um... Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, you know, the the Cena character is it's Cena. It's it's not it's not coherent. It's not one one actual character. It's real flip floppy. I mean, you know, I make a joke about the Denzel voice where one time, you know, he acts like he's in you know Poetic Justice Part Seven and he's trying to really say something important, um, and then the next moment he's cheesing about jokes and whatnot. But yeah, I could see that you know he was being a bully to Heyman, but we've seen other opponents of Heyman's court kind of attack Heyman, and everyone loved it. When when CM Punk beat his ass with a kendo stick on top of a cage, no one was crying about it. So I think in this case that even if Cena was being a bully, people are going to side with it more so than, you know, the other way around. Uh, to that I say, Cena, or excuse me, Punk actually had logical reason to go after Heyman after Heyman cost Punk money in the bank. Heyman's never had any kind of physical interaction with Cena before. So it just seems kind of out of character for Cena to, to threaten to go after Heyman. The other thing is, is so that leads me to two, two, a two-part question here. Number one, do you, what are you looking forward to for next week in regards to the, final, the final, first confrontation face-to-face of Cena and Lesnar since SummerSlam? Mm, that's a tough one because I have no idea what to expect. It's not that I'm not sold on the match. It's just that in the... And the, um, as far as whether I'm interested or not is, is really what, um, like, I, it's one of those matches that's kind of there. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to love it. But um, as far as the build goes, I don't anticipate any interaction or, you know, misinteraction. I just kind of want to see what happens. How about the actual match itself at Night of Champions? Do you have any interest in Cena Lesnar 3? Do you think they're going to go a different way with it than they did for the first two matches, or do you think it's going to be kind of more of the same of what happened at SummerSlam? They're definitely going to go a different way. Um, I don't think we're going to get another, um, you know, just five-minute, ten-minute beatdown, and then that's that. But I'm also not sure where they're going to go. We've had we've had an Extreme Rules match where Lesnar did everything to pretty much destroy Cena, and then Cena won. And then we had the beatdown at SummerSlam. So I don't know. We're gonna, I'm sure they're going to give us a, a little bit more hope in terms of Cena possibly winning. But as far as who wins, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping Brock keeps it. I, I assume that he would, because there are, there's already talk about who's next and you know who's going to be doing what next. So. Well, not to mention, too, you've also got the long-rumored feud between Cena and Rusev looking like a very real possibility coming up soon as well. So, Right. So it's going to be a case there of whether or not Cena does decide to move on, and if he does move on to the feud with Rusev, is he going to move on with the title? I just, as you said there, I can't see them taking the title off of Brock already, especially with the discussion going around as to who his next opponent's going to be over the belt. And especially, did you hear the other thing that came out about um, Brock possibly having his contract reward to work as many days on the pay-per-views specifically that the WWE wants as long as the WWE is willing to meet his match salary for these dates. Yeah, 
I did hear about that. And, I mean, I'm, you know, as much as they're making budget cuts and we could talk about finances and how whether Brock is worth it or not, um, the reality of it is it's probably one of the better ideas. You kind of – you don't need your champion, and I like the idea of having him as a special attraction, but at the same time, there's only so much that Heyman can do before Heyman starts tiring um, – on people before people start getting irritated by it. Wrestling fans, by and large, are extremely fickle, and you could already see some of the hate. He says the same thing. He, you know, this wasn't that great of a promo. I don't get how people like him. You know, all the bullshit that you always hear. So I think that if it's Heyman every week, as much as people say that they love it, there's always going to be those detractors. So it's best to kind of keep those out of there. Do you think it's possible that perhaps another Heyman guy to associate with Lesnar might not be the worst possibility? You know, the worst option, anyways. After, after, I mean, after tonight's show, I thought to myself, like, hey, maybe another Heyman dude would kind of help out a lot. Um, but I just don't know who. Um, you know, I, I don't. I definitely don't want Curtis Axel or Ryback. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know who it would be. And you know, you know me by now. I don't like fantasy booking. I don't like putting people into places that they may or may not. And I kind of leave that up to you because you're more right than I am. Well, the only thought that I had is that we we had an amicable split between Cesaro and Heyman. Why not just bring Cesaro back into the fold? Yeah. Especially since Heyman could have his own side motive with Cesaro as well as a way to capture another championship when Cesaro challenges Sheamus for the U.S. title at Night of Champions. Mm-hmm. Is there a over there, Tony? A little bit. All right. Let's hit the first do. Okay, definitely not your first do, but still. No, actually it's not. Would you like to know the actual irony of this real quick? Yes, please tell me. Usually while I'm sitting here watching the show and doing the radio show, I keep a bottle of pop next to me in order to keep myself hydrated so that way I'm not, like, choking all over my words, though apparently I do that anyways. Tonight I actually have Mountain Dew next to me. Nice. I'm very proud of you. Um, speaking of dues, my first one is in regards to um, Dolph Ziggler coming out. Uh, you know, I have a feeling that whenever Dolph Ziggler has, has a ponytail, his promo is going to suck. Um, it's not his fault, necessarily. It's mostly the writing. And tonight, of course, we got um, one of wrestling's oldest cliches, where there's, you know, there's this, the face who brings up embarrassing photos of the heel, whether it be photoshopped, Alec John and Bray Wyatt. Or otherwise, like tonight, where they weren't photoshopped, they were just quote unquote embarrassing. So they took one of the uh, more recent news items, such as you know, Jennifer Lawrence and all the other actresses being pretty much blasted on the internet with nude photos and whatnot, and they used that. Thing is, that particular news item or big break isn't something that a lot of people are happy about. So I didn't see how they could possibly use that in a, in a positive light. They tried to, and it came off flat for many reasons, regardless of whether, you know, all those picks leaked or not. Leaked or not, this is, I see the tie-in, Miz is from Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. It, it worked in the storyline sense, but it just came off flat. And any time that there's a usage of photos, it almost always just comes off as cheesy and kind of belittles every feud that it's a part of. Um, this was no different. And it, as soon as I saw it, it was tiresome. I'm like, this is retarded as... The minute that 
the minute that he said, he mentioned the photos, I knew we were going to get what I wrote in the uh, report was Photoshop fun. Uh, like I said, it wasn't Photoshop, but it was still the same concept where they're showing pictures that embarrass the, the heel. Truly the only, only saving grace of this segment was the fact that Damien Sandow was mocking the Miz almost movement for movement. It was hilarious. The Miz was saying, you don't do this, and shaking his right hand, and Sandow was doing the exact same thing, turning his hand the exact same way. It was, it was beautiful. It was awesome. And, and I can almost picture you sitting there saying, fucking Sandow. Like, seriously. Hold on, I'm sound effect finding. You have to know <laughs> which sound effect I'm looking for here. Oh, yes. You're welcome! Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> that one wasn't exactly a hard one to see coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the problem I had with this, with this particular angle tonight. And I have no problem usually with the cheesy photo segments. It's goofy fun. It's something that the kids and teenage crowd are going to like. But the problem that I had with this tonight, this particular angle here, is they're coming off of – they're using this to capitalize on a major happening over the last couple of weeks in Hollywood. Unfortunately, right. it was a very much less than PG major happening. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence, Kaylee Cuoco, Michaela Maroney – and the list goes on and on. It's There's like a six-page list of people that uh, images and files and videos and everything that ended up leaking out in this cloud attack that happened here. And this isn't something that a PG product is going to want their audience looking into because obviously in the day of the Internet and modern times there with this kind of stuff readily available, if fans were to go online and try to look into what specifically Dolph was talking about, they're going to find images that are NSFW and especially NSF for anybody that's under the age of 18 to begin with. So I think they're kind of putting themselves in a difficult situation by even acknowledging a less than PG status to begin with. Now, I'm, as I said, I have no real issue with this here. I just, I, I feel like it's a waste of Ziggler. Because I think Ziggler's best moments come when he's between the ropes in wrestling gear, not when he's between the ropes wearing some stupid-looking suit. It's also one of those guys that gets over based on his athletic ability, and to take him away from being able to do that in front of a live crowd is something that you're going to do a disservice to both the live audience, which wasn't that great to begin with tonight, as well as Dolph himself. Right, and Dolph is a—he's good on the mic. I feel that he's better when he's off the cuff or talking about something that he's actually um, even remotely interested in. I'm not saying that I know Dolph or that I could read him, but it just seems like this wasn't something that he wanted to bring up, and it makes sense because it's really not—I mean, as topical as it may be right now, it's not a subject matter that you really want to put, um, you know, a spotlight on. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get on my high horse or anything like that, but it's really pissed a lot of people off. You know, and the last thing you want to do is bring more attention to it and be um, a, a person who um, adds fire, you know, fuel to the fire, basically. So the WWE itself, just I feel like it was just a bad move in general. It didn't really add anything. It, it actually took me out of everything. And, and like you said, it's a PG environment, and you're talking about stuff that is pretty much, you know, as R-rated as, as, as you can get. Um, you know, it's just a, a lot of cases. A lot of cases, the images that came out, borderline, if not go beyond the levels of softcore porn. Yeah. 
yeah. So it's just, you know, it's one thing for us, you know, talk about it. We're on the Internet. Everybody knows it's there. Most people, most readers probably have already seen the photos, um, you know, or at least, you know, looked into it, I'm sure. Um, so, But it's a different thing if what you're trying to do is cater to a particular audience that has no idea, nor should they have any idea about what's going on. So I just didn't like it. Yeah, and especially... <laughs> And as I said, especially when they're claiming the uh, when they're claiming the PG marketplace, and then they bring up something as decidedly non-PG as this. And this is something that we've both given the company grief about before too, in regards to things like when they did the uh, the advertising for the Twisted Tea. Mm-hmm. You're shilling a decidedly non-PG item to a supposedly PG crowd. All right. Anyways, you ready to move on to some quick hits here, Tony? Sure. A lot of stuff got a lot of time tonight, and given the format that we have laid out here, we're actually going to hit most of it. We, I only have three things in my quick hits column for tonight, so let's go ahead and get to it. Oh. Uh, the one thing I do want to say before we get started with quick hits is I do want to give the WWE credit for one thing. They very, very wisely decided not to broach the Ray Rice subject tonight. Right. And I think that was very smart on their part because, especially given that they were in Baltimore tonight, it's too hot button of an issue there, and it would have caused a lot of problems, I think. All right, so let's go ahead and get into quick hits. Gold Dust and Stardust against Los Matadores, minus El Torito after Stardust attacked him a couple weeks ago on SmackDown. Um, not much to say about the match. Stardust pins... Diego Epico with the Dark Matter, that Lake Trap Flatliner variation. Hold on, I'm getting distracted right now. They're re-airing the Rice video on ESPN at halftime on Monday Night Football. Anyway, <laughs> Stardust pins Diego Epico with Dark Matter. And then post-match, as Goldust and Stardust are making their way back up the ramp, the Usos attack, and... Jimmy, I think Jimmy, no, Jay was the injured one. Jay starts swinging his crotch at Cody, Stardust. <laughs> Two questions in regards to this. One, do you look forward to Stardust and Gold Dust against the Usos at Night of Champions? Um, yeah, yeah, I think they'll have a good match. I like I like the teams. I'm glad that, you know, Gold Dust and Stardust are not backstage throwing glitter at random places. Um, they actually got a storyline. They're heels, so it's added a lot of freshness to even something as simple as the moveset. So, yeah, I'm excited for the match. I'm interested to see where it goes. Part two of this question is something I've been calling for since all the way back at Payback. Do you think now is the time to get the tag titles off of the Usos? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know if they're going to... I don't know when they're going to pull the plug on the heel turn for Cody or Goldust. Or, well, I mean, they did for both, but I'm talking in regards to each other. Um, or if they're even going to do it. But they've been prolonging it. And if that means a WrestleMania showdown, then I'm just happy for them as brothers. I'm, I'm happy for them to be able to get that spotlight. So, you know, it's September. They've got a few months. Give them the titles. Let them run with it for a few more months. And then let the storyline develop on its own. So the Usos, as great as they are, they're young, and they did a good enough job. I think it's time to move forward. <clears throat> All right. Speaking of moving forward, let's carry on to the next part of this here. <laughs> Segway, bitches. Anyway. Let's talk about Titus O'Neil and Adam Rose, part two. The Bunny's Revenge. <laughs> the Bunny's Revenge. Um, well, I, you know, Titus, in little spurts, he's really good. 
his promos usually are pretty bad, but he has his moments in the ring and against the right person. He looks like a badass. I mean, he's tossing Adam Rose around like nothing. Um, and it just looked really cool. You're looking at it like, damn, he's really big. And he is. But since everyone else is big, he doesn't look that big unless he's up against someone like Adam Rose. The bunny thing, a lot of people are going to complain, and it's kind of hypocritical for me to say I don't care about this, like whatever, I'll allow it, and then get mad at stuff like the Bellas. But I like to think that this is this is a story in which you are well aware. You know, it's a, it's a self-aware, self-contained humorous comedic angle which is in the likes of Santino and Heath Slater and even Adam Rose now so you kind of know what you're getting the bunny is most likely going to have a match with Heath Slater on a pre-show they're probably going to wrestle he has a pretty cool super kick it's a bunny it looks like you know my little brother created him on you know Raw vs. Smackdown um (laughs) it's just basically like I said you know what you're getting here this you can either complain about it or digest these first these five minutes and just move on. Yeah, I mean, realistically speaking, here it's not something that's going to get a ton of time, even if they do go to a pay per view or a pre show with it, special event or pay per view, whatever you want to call it, or the pre show for one of those events with it. Here, it's something little kids can enjoy by saying, "Hey, look, it's a wrestling bunny," and it's not like there's any kind of established status for Slater Gator as it is anyway. So he's Slater job into a super kick from a rabbit ain't going to do nothing to hurt his rep. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things here. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's the bunny? I don't know. I tried to figure it out tonight. I didn't do a lot of research because I was writing the report, but I was just trying to watch the movements. Um, looks like a somewhat taller, lanky fellow. Um, has a super kick in his repertoire. I don't know if he does it, you know, but it'd be interesting to know who it is. It's also just as interesting not knowing. So, The long-running rumor on the Internet is that it's Zack Ryder. But my thing is, is I've never seen Ryder throw a super kick before. Yeah, me either. So I kind of question it to the validity of that statement there. There's really nobody else that's not around right now that I could think of. The only other person that I could think of that's not around right now that might fit that role right there would be Justin Gabriel. And that would actually mm. kind of make sense when you think that Adam Rose is from South Africa. Yeah. Or it could just be Dean Ambrose waiting for Seth Rollins to walk by. That would be freaking awesome. <laughs> I would pop if the bunny attacked Seth Rollins. And you say you're no good at fantasy booking. <laughs> I want to go ahead and let you take the lead on this one. Your beloved team with Paige yet again to take on the team of Natalia and Rosa Mendez. Go ahead and take the lead while I go and grab a drink here so I can get rid of this frog in my throat. Okay, well, it looks like we are officially melding the feud with Paige and AJ along with any and all Total Divas storylines. Now, some may think this smart to, you know, put the women's stories all together in an effort to both bring the girls from Total Divas up and highlight the title as something important for everyone, not just Paige and AJ. And I can see that argument. However, I just don't think that they're worth it. (laughs) Now, Natty is serviceable. She's actually really good, and she showed that in the first minute or so of the match that they had tonight. She was really spot on with Paige. They seem to work well together. Rosa Mendez, I mean, I've heard reports recently about how 
she claims to be a, a veteran. She's been there for eight years. She continues to adapt her style, her character, everything else and whatnot. Um, I haven't seen any adaptation because there's nothing for her to adapt to. She's been a part of two storylines at best. She's never been anything spectacular. She's just kind of there. No, she's not even just there. She's hardly ever there. Um, if she were to never show up on WWE TV again, no one would miss her. She didn't do anything spectacular in this match. She didn't, you know, do anything that would say, man, well, this is what we've been missing, you know. And I just don't feel that they have the right type of energy to put into all of the divas. You know, they're, they're too focused on the Bellas and then Paige and AJ. And since Total Divas is coming, you see them coming up more and more. They just shouldn't be. If you want to build Total Divas as a show, if you want to enhance that and, and make it a big deal, you know, by all means, go ahead. You're making money off of it. But there's no reason, I don't see any reason, to meld that storyline with the Divas title. Not to say it's prestigious, it's something that should be cherished and honored, but at the same time, you have some storylines around that title that are pretty strong. Um, and now you're just kind of throwing it in with the mix. And what you think you're doing is valuing, putting value in the girls when, in fact, you're devaluing the title. Yeah, I'm with you here. I don't understand any reason whatsoever to put the Nikki and Brie Bella storyline anywhere near the Divas title at this point. Down the road, getting a little bit closer towards WrestleMania when you need your bigger matches to have that selling point, I would understand it. But as of right now, the two best women in the company right now when it comes to being inside of the ring between those ropes are AJ Lee and Paige. And you're taking away from their opportunity to shine by having these matches against each other. We both agreed that the match at SummerSlam while short was really good. Mm -hmm. And we were both hoping that we would see a repeat of this in another one-on-one encounter at Night of Champions in order to give them more time because it's a night where only the champions really get the spotlight even though they have announced Rusev and Henry. But in, at a show where the champions are supposed to get the spotlight, we were both hoping that they would give AJ and Paige a chance to go out there, get 10 to 12 minutes in a match, and show everybody, the WWE Universe, including the, and all the critics as well as the Divas Division, just what they're capable of. Instead, we're pigeonholing Nikki Bella into this angle where she has no business being, into a title picture where she has no business being, and where most of the fans don't want to see her anywhere near And now it's going to become a case of rather than AJ and Paige being allowed to elevate the Divas title, Nikki Bell is going to probably drag it back down, especially if it continues and the Divas title ends up involved in the soap opera crap, such as what we're about to discuss with regards to what happened with the Bellas tonight on Raw. I think there's a time and a place for the soap opera angles. I just don't think that the Divas title needs to be anywhere near that, if, that's, if you understand where I'm coming from here, Tony. Oh, yeah. Well, I just brought it up. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's talk about Raw again. And the, the subtitle you gave me for this segment is perfect. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. I'll let you lead. Yeah, um, it was crap. That's all I got. <laughs> Seems legit. <laughs> Here's my big issue with it. Okay, you're going up against Monday Night Football. The the season premiere of Monday Night Football is that. And pretty soon you're going to be going up against 
the return of the CBS Monday comedies, which draw huge ratings, especially the Big Bang Theory moving back to Monday nights. The Blacklist on NBC, which I mentioned they had a commercial for during Raw, because it's, NBC is an affiliate of, the USA Network is an affiliate of NBC Universal. So they had a promo for the Blacklist as well, without specifically mentioning when the Blacklist was on, which I thought was smart from USA to not announce that, but at the same time to put the plug out there for its own show inside of its family of networks. And they're using the Bellas to kick off a top-of-the-hour segment. There is no draw in this segment to most fans. There is nobody watching this show specifically going, oh, I can't wait to see what they do with the Bellas next. There is absolutely no reason for this to have the level of focus that it has had. I will say that I was looking forward to Nikki versus Bree when I first thought we were leading this way. I could not have been more wrong. Because this has been consistently the worst part of the show the last three weeks. It has almost sucked all the energy out of each episode of Raw that it's been on, which is the last three weeks. Um, There's no redeeming quality about this. Um, There's nothing positive. There's no awesome storyline. There's nothing. It gets worse progressively. Um, When it was a like, fourth main event on SummerSlam. It was all right. And pertaining to Steph versus, you know, Brie, um, it was all right because, once again, it was, like, the fourth or fifth storyline being focused on. But then it got continuously bad, and it's gotten worse and worse to the point where, like I said, you know, you're hearing the commentary just be like, I don't know whether to laugh about this or be serious. Um, And and just the the storyline progression itself you know, it's, it's a mixture of all things bad. You've got bad actresses, you've got bad storytelling, and you've just got bad wrestling. Um, I don't see any highlights. I don't see any positive. And, you know, bringing Jerry Springer in, um, you know, I think Jerry Springer has lost a lot of stigma in regards to negativity that comes with it, but it doesn't mean that it's gone. It is essentially the lower belts of the United States looking for trash to laugh at. And by now we should all know how much of it is real versus how much of it is fake. And wrestling really should be deviating away from that idea and sentimentality because for a long time it had the same stigma that Jerry Springer did. You know, it's for the pot-bellied white folk with tank tops and mullets, you know. And you don't want to go back to that. (laughs) What? Why would you do that? Like, I, I saw no place for Jerry Springer in 2014 on wrestling television at all. Well, and here's another problem that I find with this segment here, and it goes back to the exact situation we found ourselves with in the Dolph Ziggler segment. Is Jerry show something that you're going to want kids watching? I'm guessing mm-hmm. not. So he doesn't appear to your, appeal to your target demographic audience. Right. So you're going to have all these people. I mean, yeah, you might have some of the fans that are watching for the sake of Jerry Springer because maybe, I don't know about you, but I watched Jerry growing up. I'll admit to it. When I was a teenager, I would watch Jerry Springer on days when I was home from school. But I don't think that parents in their right minds are going to be letting little children, the people that the WWE is marketing specifically towards, especially with a guy like the John Cena, watch a program like the Jerry Springer show or its offshoot, the Steve Wilkos show, either. We had Jerry's new security guard here tonight. But anyways, 
it just it doesn't make sense to me to market a show like the Jerry Springer show on an episode of TV that's rated PG when even in syndication, I think the lowest rating that Jerry Springer show's ever gotten is like a TV 14. Oh, man. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I just think it was, you know, I, I almost didn't want to give it any time on the show, but I think that would be unfair simply because, you know, we need to talk about it was on Raw. But it's literally gotten to that point where I would rather ignore it completely than even give it any type of airtime, I guess you could say. All right. We do have one more thing we have to go back and do here, and we'll, I'll do this real quick here. But before I do it, I'm going to go ahead and get one last thought in about this segment here. These segments have led to what I officially refer to now as the Bella break. <laughs> and what I basically mean by that is any time that Nikki and Bree are on my television screen at this point from now on, I'm going to use that as an opportunity to get something to snack on, to use the restroom, or to get a drink. I'll listen to what they're saying, but I have no real interest in watching it. Now, unfortunately, for a guy like yourself who's doing the Raw review, you really don't have an option as far as that goes, but that's how I feel about these segments at this point. Yeah, they're pretty bad. All right, so the one thing that we forgot to do a little bit earlier that I'm going to go ahead and go back and do now is we forgot to do our plugs. So it's time to pay some bills, Tony. All right. All right, let's do this. The Raw Reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, www.ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. In addition... We're also associated with the Yes, Yes, Yes Facebook group, which is the one that I created. It's my baby. The night after WrestleMania 28 and the start of the Yes movement, hence the title of the group there. It's gotten around. We're actually very quickly closing in on 3,000 members, which I'm to say pretty proud of. And in addition, I do play-by-play work with Real Action Pro Wrestling, in addition to being a jack-of-all-trades at Black Diamond Wrestling, a couple local independent wrestling promotions. And I know you know a couple things about working for independent promotions, too, so you can go ahead and give your shout-out to Apex when you do your spiel, too. Um, in addition, I've been teasing it for a while. I've finally gotten around to doing it. should look forward to the return of what I've watched, the television-slash-DVD reviews that I do coming soon to ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com's main page. Uh, Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about your work at 411 Mania in addition to your work with Apex Pro. Um, yeah, I write for 411mania.com. It's a great site, a lot of news that doesn't come from them. Uh, but, <laughs> no, um, I do the Raw Report every week, and, uh, you know, this week was really no different than the last. Uh, the first, uh, I want to say, what, 10, 15 minutes of the Raw Report was uh, done by you, Thankfully, because I, you know, was in line to get contacts and they were taking forever. So Harry stepped in for me and covered the first, uh, the entire match, actually, the opening cage match, which we haven't mentioned yet, uh, with Jericho and Wyatt. And um, that was a, it was a pretty solid match. getting to it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, from what I saw, I, I liked what I saw. I haven't watched the whole thing in its entirety. I just haven't had the time. You know, we do the show immediately after all. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, apart from that, Apex Pro is a wrestling organization that I'm a part of. I help them as far as, you know, doing the sound, ring announcing, and all that other good stuff. Um, I'll give more information on the show as it comes up. I don't want to give it now, mainly because, you know, by the time it comes up, I'd have to say it again anyways. I don't like wasting my breath. All right, I think with that we can go ahead and move on. Um, 
You sound a little parched, Tony, just like I was a few moments ago when I got that frog situation. Yeah. You're sounding a little parched. We'll hand it over. <laughs> so Is sound effect playing at all? No, but it's all right. Just pretend the doof is. Um, so um, I don't want to say it's a growing trend because we see it a lot, but it's become more and more prominent, which is a sign of, I think, lazy booking, which we've also seen a lot of. But I believe that every week, for as long as for as long as I can remember, there it is. <laughs> um, we've been getting that segment down, where down. a champion is in a match, and his most recent fo- his or her most recent foe comes out to distract them, and they either lose the match that they're a part of, or they get distracted to the point where it's, they're affected completely. And it's like, are we are these wrestlers that superficial to where every time somebody comes out to distract them that they just suddenly fall into I'm dumb, let me pay attention to them mode? Or is it just a sign of, you know, them be, the writers being lazy? Obviously, it's the second option where they have nothing better to do than to just say, let's just have the whole distraction thing happen and then go from there. We've seen it with Paige and AJ. We've seen it with Cesaro and Sheamus. We've seen it over and over again. And it does nothing but make the faces or whoever it is that's being distracted look really retarded. What the hell is going on over there? Whatever that was in the background, they completely agreed with your point. It was applause. Anywho, um, I think there's like a rule that once you become a babyface in the WWE, you automatically lose like 20 IQ points, and that explains why they constantly fall for the destruction finish. <laughs> it's it's like an unwritten rule. Because what other right. what other reason could there be to explain the situation that, as you mentioned, are specifically tonight with Sheamus and Cesaro? Sheamus and Cesaro sells itself. If you don't want to put Seth Rollins in a situation where he's in, where he was in with the match with Sheamus tonight, then don't book the freaking match. It wasn't a match that Rollins could afford to lose, and it wasn't a match that Sheamus needed to win. Yeah, it's just it's it's bothersome mainly because it goes back to what I said. It's lazy writing. It's it's a crutch, and the thing about crutches is that you know when they're used so much, they're very glaring. You can. You can really tell. I mean, it's it's being more and more prominent. It happens in big feuds. It happens every week, literally. That's not an exaggeration. It happens every week. And it's just, I don't know, it's just annoying. <laughs> There's really nothing else to say to it. I mean, it's something that many fans have been lamenting on over the course of the years as well, is the fact that we constantly get these distraction finishes as well, and as you said, it takes away from the from the focus on the matches when you know that something silly is going to go down. It takes away from the intelligence level of the people that are constantly falling for the distractions at hand. And as well, it makes the heels look weak. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's times where they deviate from it just a little bit. Rather than having the person lose, they still win. But it, it just, I would like to see if, this happened again, I would like to see them literally not pay any attention to the heel until after the match and do a little like point at their head thing like ha ha ha, you didn't get me this time or something something small to make it new make it fresh because all we're getting every week is just I don't know, it's just not smart (laughs) 
I don't know what to tell you, Tony, beyond what we've already said here. Uh, it looks like it's time to take a quick break here. Yes. I'm Harry Broadhurst. He's Tony Estero. We'll be right back with more of the Raw Reaction right after this. You're listening to the Raw Reaction on Powerhouse Radio. Here comes the Harry's hit. 
and to me, the answer at the present moment is no. Right, and that's their fault because <laughs> of the constant, you know, booking of the specific, you know, like four or five stars instead of a a roundup of of numerous ones. I mean, the, a, a proper main event should never be flooded, but at the same time, it should never be so shallow that if one person's injured, the entire show falls apart. And that could pretty much happen with the WWE at any moment. Well, it kind of did happen over the course of this year when you consider the losses of guys like Punk and Lesnar, or excuse me, like Punk and Daniel Bryan, and the part-time nature of a guy like a Brock Lesnar here. Yeah, they find themselves in desperate need of guys who would be considered main event talent. I mean, even throwing a guy like Batista leaving. And yeah. him basically announcing that he's probably not coming back. Right. And instead of building new stars, what they do is they latch on to ones that they used to have or the ones that they know aren't going to get, or they assume aren't going to get hurt. Um, you know, like, I would never wish any injury on anyone, but what if Cena did get hurt to a point where he couldn't show up? You know, like, what would they do? Who would they put in that spot? Would they shotgun Roman Reigns up forward, or would they find somebody else, or would they bring a part-timer back? Would they throw money at The Rock? Like, what would they do in that case? Well, actually, if you believe the rumor here, it's looking like they want to do Roman Reigns versus The Rock at WrestleMania. Hmm. I don't know if you had heard that one or not. Yeah, and The Rock, I mean, you know, their family, The Rock may do it, but I don't know. I, I Those are all just like, it, it doesn't solve their problem, basically. It's like a Band-Aid over, you know, a gaping wound if in the event Cena were to leave. It's just not going to work. It's it's a short-term, um, it's a short-term, you know, solve to their problem. And that's, that's the, that, that is the big problem with the WWE is that they're, they're very short-sighted because they're no longer a wrestling organization, they're a business. Exactly, and it's a case of they find themselves in a position now where they can't really take that chance to make new stars because they have to stick with what they know in order to keep the ratings at the levels that they're already at. Right, and what's funny is, we, which we're going to be leading into right now, well, why don't you go ahead and pop the can for me? Yeah, it kind of. That, my comment right there kind of segues perfectly into the third and final. Dude, it really, me. really does. Yes, it does. So let's go ahead and pop that top. I open one for you as I finish mine over here. <laughs> nice. Yeah, look, they've been trying to show the network for how long now? You hear a chance of nine ninety nine every week for over the period oh, for quite a while. Um, and basically, the, uh, the the best way to sell the WWE Network just happened tonight, and it's the first time they've done it. I mean, why didn't they do this early on? We had a one we had one match from uh, with NXT stars on it, and there was no prior. Uh, let's see, there was no prior advertising. There was no pre bio of these superstars. There was no insert promo. There was no little moment for each of them to expound on who they were. Truly the only one that should have been recognizable was Tyson Kidd. And yet, when the match happened, the crowd was into it. And you heard Olays everywhere, which is, you know, for El Generico, now Sami Zayn. Um, the, and, and the guys popped hard for Neville. The crowd was into it. And I would almost say that that sold 
the NXT event on Thursday more so than anything that they've been doing. And it sold the network more so. So tell me why. We're getting superstars shoved down our throats. We're getting Bellas doing what they're doing. We're getting what you and I talked about, how they're focused so much on part-timers and one person, and they feel that that's what they need to do. And yet you got these four essentially nobodies on Raw, and the crowd was super into it. The entire Internet community was into it. It was just something that people wanted to see. You know why they wanted to see it? Because they want something new and fresh. And, I mean, it's really, really simple. And yet, for whatever reason, they, they, they barely did it tonight. Um, I felt the need for you to share your description of the finish for this match. <laughs> uh, what did I call it? Um, I believe... Uh, the official name for the move is Red Arrow. Yeah, I didn't know that. So uh, when the, when the match happened, I believe I called it a corkscrew shooting star. Fuck your gravity press. <laughs> and my response to you in regards to that was that works too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, the people listening to the show are going to either having watched Raw or watching this in lieu of watching Raw in case they had to be out on a personal commitment or anything, but, you know, DVRs and stuff and online ways to watch shows as well. I can't go into specifics due to the whole piracy thing here. Not something we can support as part of a nationally published wrestling website, but... Yeah, if you haven't seen this match, YouTube that shit. Like, now. You can go ahead and pause the show and, like, YouTube it now. You owe it to yourself. And then once you pick up listening after you've YouTubed it, a star was born tonight whose name is Adrian Neville. Because yeah. did and you hear the did you hear the pop for Red Arrow? Yeah, people were amazed, and that's the thing. The match itself was what I mean. If we want to give it stars, it's like two, two and or I'm sorry, two and a half, three maybe. It was a completely, you know, average match with bigger than average stars, and that was the key. That was the purpose. This thing didn't, like, you know, it wasn't like a wrestling clinic. It wasn't something that was amazing, but at the same time, it was something that was new, fresh, and just good enough for people to say, hey, who the hell was that? Where can I see more of him? And two other things that came out of this match that I don't know if you caught during the course of the commentary for the match as well, is that they also get the chance to plug the other two title matches happening at NXT's TakeOver, one of which involves the daughter of WWE Hall of Famer twice over, Ric Flair in Charlotte, as she defends her her NXT Divas title against Bayley, and the Ascension defend their tag titles against another guy they're said to be really high on in Callisto and his tag team partner, Sin Cara. Where can you see the NXT uh, TakeOver um, show? On the WWE Network, Tony. Exactly. That match did more for them in the five or so minutes that it was on than all the shilling of 999 has done for the over, you know, however many months they've been doing it. Of course, that's opinionated. We may get a report tomorrow saying it was the lowest-rated portion of the show, but I really, really don't think it was. Um, Judging by the reaction of the crowd, the reaction of the Internet, and the reaction that I had personally, I think that it did just the right thing. There's only so much that you can do before we feel something's being shoved down our throat. You give us a match that we're interested in and characters that we want to know more about, and that's really all you need. It's not a science, guys. You've been doing this for a long time. 
Yeah, and the thing is, is each one of the four of them had a chance to show themselves off. As you mentioned, Sammy got the LA chance, and in addition, he had that flip dive over the rope. Tyler mm-hmm. Lee's got a chance to sell his character, and the women went crazy for him. I don't know if you heard that or not. Oh, I didn't notice that. That is an interesting uh, thing to notice, though. It's the Prince of Pretty. It's kind of Tyler Breeze's deal. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, Adrian Neville had his moment. Did you hear the? I know we both heard the uh, the reaction for Red Arrow, but did you hear the reaction from the crowd for his kick for his kick series as well, with the soul bust yeah. and the hook kick and everything that he hit on Tyson Kidd? Even I had that reaction. I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Boy, it's quick and the double backflip. I mean, he didn't do anything fancy, but still, like I said, it's fresh. It's new. It's, it's Something that people want to see. And then you had a guy like Tyson Kidd, who was the ring general, holding everything together as well. As you said, it was five to six minutes on an episode of Monday Night Raw with guys that the WWE Universe proper has never seen before. And it stood out so much so as a selling point for NXT. did nothing but make me want to see more of these guys. And that's the exact reason that a person like me would go to the network to watch the older episodes of NXT and to get more of a backstory to these guys, to see the next generation of should-be, I use the word should-be, superstars in the WWE. Yeah. And for as much as we've been bagging on JBL lately, I will give JBL credit for one thing as well. He mentioned that this Thursday on TakeOver 2 will be the WWE NXT debut of Kenta. And JBL pointed out that it was a signing so big that Hulk Hogan himself went over to Japan here. He managed in that one line there to put Kenta on the level where a guy like Hulk Hogan is interested in him. That immediately yeah. does leaps and bounds for Kenta's credibility. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I, just to see where it goes and where he goes. And I mean, these are the... You know, Triple H, if anything, the next, what, I want to say three to five years will be a stagnant, you know, wrestling product. But the the youth of it is really um, something that we should be looking forward to. And if done right, they could be segued into the show periodically so that the product itself is just a better one all around. If done right. <laughs> what they need I've, to do is I've make, of- get a whole new batch of writers. We've been on that horse for a couple of months now, Tony. I don't see it happening. Um, one thing that I had heard is talk of perhaps another Nexus invasion regarding the guys in NXT. Do you have any interest in that? Um, I don't know. I don't trust them with it. So I don't know. I would I would like it, but I, I just don't trust them. I think there are more than enough people down there that would have the ability to captivate the audience's attention at the main show level. Yeah. I mean, you look at the four we saw tonight. You throw in guys like the Ascension into that list. You throw in a guy like a Callisto. You throw in a Bull Dempsey or a Mojo Raleigh who, whatever we may think of Mojo's gimmick, he's something that, he's something that the crowd would get behind. Because yeah. we saw how, how well that gimmick got overdone in NXT. Now, we've proven that things that are necessarily working at the NXT level don't always work on the WWE level. I give you Adam Rose as a prime example of that. But there are other times where things that have been working at the NXT level work out perfectly on the WWE level. I give you somebody like a Paige, and especially since her heel turn. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's enough time-focused for NXT. 
<laughs> okay. I mean, uh, well, I could sit here and talk about NXT for the next 25 minutes of the show, but we do have a couple other things still to get to tonight, Tony. Okay. Um, real quick, I'll ask you this before we move on. Will you be watching TakeOver 2 on Thursday? Yeah, definitely. Same here. I've already... I don't have the network. I don't have a credit card. So I can't... I can't order it. You have to have an actual credit card. They don't accept prepaid cards. I've tried. So I... I you know I, what? I haven't been able to get the... I don't... Maybe I can... Uh, maybe I can shoot you over a password or something. Jeez. <laughs> no talk of piracy, don't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. That, that, that last, yeah, that last seven seconds never happens anyway. <laughs> but I've already made plans to be able to go see Takeover Two on Thursday night. Great. And this, despite the fact that Takeover Two is going to be running up against the first Thursday night football game as well, so that tells mm. you my interest level in the show. Yeah, man. You know, I, we can't talk about it too much because you know it's a wrestling show. But whoo, did you see the Vikings? Oh man. <laughs> Um, Tony, I'm a Bills fan. How do you think I'm feeling today? <laughs> oh, you're feeling great. We want you to soldier, brother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, they're a division rival of yours, aren't they? Uh-huh. You know what's coming next, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll just have to, maybe we'll, maybe we'll make a friendly wager or something when it comes, the time comes. You're welcome. <laughs> that was for us going into Soldier and beating the Bears. Nicely done. All right, let's go ahead and get talking about Raw one last time here. Let's get to the main event, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right, you gave me quite the spiel in the format for this, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, let you go ahead and start off the conversation about it here. All right. Well, I just I had assumed, you know, we were we we're nearing the end of the show, and I had assumed something big was going to happen. Um, nothing really big happened, but it was big enough to talk about. But as far as the match itself, I was pretty bored. Every they, we had two commercial breaks during the match, and every time we returned, Randy Orton was giving you know, some sort of chin lock to uh, Roman Reigns, and there was a lot of that. There was a lot of repetition. The first. Ten minutes. No, I don't. I don't want to say ten minutes. The first portion of the match was Orton sending Reigns out, attacking, sending him back in, or vice versa. And they did that throughout the entire match. Like that was their go-to, you know, stalling tactic. It really felt like they were trying to fill time, which is rare for Raw because it, it's hardly ever that case. And then you get the end of the match where Kane and Rollins come and they rush stagehands down to lower the cage, and then you see that Seth Rollins almost gets trapped under. So the cage stops lowering, and then you see that he's not able to get in there, and the stagehands still tie the cage down, and you would think that if they're working for Triple H and Kane and all that, that they would re- they would stop the cage, they'd let the heels in, they, you know, it just, a lot of logic went out the window in that segment, and I think that it wasn't supposed to work as badly as it did, it was supposed to be a, a lot better looking, it just didn't come out that way. The highlight was Seth Rollins jumping off the cage and hitting Roman Reigns, it was pretty cool, and as much as I thought Ambrose was going to come out and someone was going to save the day, I'm kind of okay with how it ended. It's, it's, it's okay to have heels stand up at the end of the show every now and then, if only to see how they, you know, are retri- how they get ret- how retribution is served the following week. But there were a lot of little things, and the match was boring. 
So I don't think that it was really a good ending. It wasn't bad, but I even felt it. I'm, I was getting, you know, a little bit, uh All right, I have two things to touch on as far as that goes. One, nowhere near as good as the match at SummerSlam. But I think that might have been on purpose. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because when you're having a match on a, on a special event, on a, uh, on a pay-per-view as it used to be, you're going to have the guys put a little bit more effort into those matches to make them feel like something special. Regardless of the fact that tonight was the season premiere of Monday Night Raw, it's not something that people are going to have to pay to see. It's not something that is considered a extra event. Now, that being said, would I like a little bit more effort between the two tonight on Monday Night Raw? Of course. Now, as far as the casing goes, I don't think Rollins was supposed to be as close to getting into the ring as he was, and the reason I say that is because of the fact that he came off of the top of the case with that crossbody on Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. I think he was meant to stay out of the cage and then realized that if he were in the cage, he wouldn't have been able to do the uh, he wouldn't have been able to do the crossbody without actually having to have Randy Orton get a one-on-one advantage on Roman Reigns, and at that point, that wasn't happening. Yeah, there's a lot of little things that just didn't, I don't know, it didn't gel well together, and it was noticeable that, uh, and then like I said, the logic behind it, you know, if they rolled the stage hands down, and then you saw the cage stop, because someone was like, oh shit, Rollins isn't moving, i got to stop the cage. So it's like, all right, guys, you have a little more control than you should, and if you really do have that control, maybe you should um, try to use it. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on in regards to this match is, is it just me, or did the main event seem like the perfect setup to bring Dean Ambrose back? Yeah, I think a lot of people were waiting for it. I think a lot of people were anxious to see it happen, um, probably looking around everywhere thinking he's one of the stagehands or he's right behind Kane or he's going to slip under the ring at the last minute or blah, 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 you know. Um, But he's going to run down in that damn bunny suit and attack Rollins. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, to me it just seemed like it was a big setup in order to bring Dean Ambrose back and then it didn't happen and I think that kind of fell flat in that regard. I wouldn't say it was a bad match, but I think Jericho Wyatt was better. Yeah, definitely. All right, so the only things they've really announced for next week on Raw is the Cena-Lesnar confrontation. Um, Obviously, next Monday Night's Raw is the go-home for Night of Champions. What are your expectations for the go-home episode of Raw going into Night of Champions? Um, I expect an all-AJ show, and if I don't get it, I'll be sorely disappointed. Maybe you're anticipating an all-ages show. Coming soon to the WWE Network. Total idiot. <laughs> you can find out what life at home with Tony Acero is like for her. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like punk whatever ever to do that show nowadays. Did you see the most recent drama in that regard? The most recent punk drama in regards to the WWE. Oh, isn't he, like, suing for royalties or something like that? A <laughs> 23-page letter from his lawyers to the WWE. Yeah, that's crazy. And then in, re- and then in response, the WWE puts all of his merchandise on the website with super clearance. <laughs> Do you own the WWE DVD, the uh, Best in the World DVD? 
Yeah. Well, if you didn't, you can get it on Shop Zone right now for three bucks. Ouch. Yeah. It reminds me of when Bishop went to TNA and they sold his book for two dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that CM Punk strongly dislikes Dixie Carter, or else I'd expect PC Monk to show up in TNA any day now. I could see that. So technically speaking, he owns the rights to the name, so. I say it's time for the final reaction, Tony. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. For those of you listening for the first time, and even those of you who have been long-time listeners, the final reaction is where we give the episode of Raw that we just watched a letter grade. We explain our most favorite and least favorite moments of the show, and then we explain why we gave the show the letter grade that we did. I'll go ahead and go first tonight, since you've gone first on a lot of the other segments. Mm-hmm. My letter grade for tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw is a B plus. My most favorite segment from the entire show was the Jericho Wyatt cage match. And not just because I was covering it for 401, but also because it finally felt like we had a definitive end to a WWE storyline, and that's something that we don't always get. In this particular day and age, in regards to what's going on behind the scenes at the Fed up there in Stanford, storylines get changed on the fly so often, it's something we've brought up here on the reaction before, that you never really get a definitive sense of closure. Tonight, I honestly feel like we got a definitive sense of closure in regards to the Jericho Wyatt storyline, with Jericho being a victim of his own callousness, being a victim of his own bravado and going for that crossbody, and Wyatt making him pay and picking up the win, and then leaving him laying in the ring afterwards with the sister Abigail. My least favorite moment on Raw tonight was, well, I hate to do it again, but I think you almost have to call it the Springer segment with the Bella Twins. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it was—it's not that it was bad. It's just that it was what we expected it to be. It was Jerry Springer on an episode of Monday Night Raw in a storyline where nobody cares anymore, and if people do care, it's probably because they're a member of the Bella family that was in the ring, or a member of the McMahon family that was pulling the strings for it. Right. The reason I give tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw a B-plus is because a significant step up from the last two weeks. We had matches that people cared about in the Jericho Wyatt cage match in addition to the NXT tag match. We had compelling storyline advancement in regards to the Paul Heyman-John Cena promo that happened in the middle of the show. Rather, I agree with the fact that it was the that it was the way that it was in the main event, we actually had a chance to see two different people shine in the main event spotlight with Roman Reigns and Randy Orton, rather than them focusing on Cena, on Lesnar, and then on the Bella Twins as they have in previous weeks. They're trying something in the undercard with the tag titles in regards to Gold Dust and Stardust versus the Usos. They're giving us another Seamus Cesaro match, which is going to be a blast. As ridiculous as it was... Ziggler and Miz in the rematch at Night of Champions should be a lot of fun as well. So there's right. progress there, and there's stuff that, that is very watchable. But at the same time, as I said, Reigns and Orton was better at SummerSlam. And they lose a good grade. They lose at least a good grade and a half for the, uh, the Bella segment. I, without that Bella segment there, I think I'd probably go A-. minus. But as you said, here in the show tonight, that in the entire Bella's context there with the feud between Bree and Nikki is just dragging the entire show down. Yeah. 
So that's the reason I gave tonight's episode of Raw a B plus. Hey Tony, what's your letter grade? Uh C. Yeah, uh I'm gonna your, go with C. Alright, your most favorite moment on tonight's show. Uh probably the NXT tag match. Um not because it was the best match on the show, the cage match was, but just because it was it was really just something cool. Like, you're, uh, when I watch, I'm like, oh, well, this is a surprise. And then I just kept saying that throughout the entire match because it was fresh. It was something new. It was something that you looked at and said, well, that's not what I've been seeing the last few years on Raw. Um, I wonder, you know, where I could find this stuff. All right, your least favorite moment. Um, well, there's no question about it. It's definitely the Bella segment. Um, it's just, you know, it's just trash doesn't really belong anywhere on any type of wrestling show. And if if it does, if it does belong on it, or if it's going to be somewhere on it, it shouldn't be getting the spotlight that it is. And it shouldn't be getting the amount of time that it is either. I think they wasted like 15 or 20 minutes on that segment tonight. If you must do something like this, keep it inside of 10, preferably. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, just yell out the word womb and, um, you know, you're still on that. <laughs> the reason you gave the show a C? Because uh, it was crap? No, um, <laughs> because it, 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 although it was a much better show by comparison of last week and the week before that, um, it still had some down spots and... Um, it's uh it's a three hour show. Uh the main event really killed me. I, I was falling asleep and it's not because I was tired, it was because I was bored. And that's not a good sign for Reigns and um it's really unfortunate. But Orton when he's on, he's on. And when he's not, man, it's bad. <laughs> um aside from that, you know, it may have it may have been better if I actually was able to start it from the beginning of the show, so maybe that hurts a little bit. The Bellas thing didn't work for me. AJ anywhere near any of the storylines with the Total Divas wasn't working for me. Um, Miz and uh, Ziggler, their promo wasn't working for me. So there was a lot that just didn't work for me, which, you know, took a lot from the show. Anything else to touch on before we get out of here? Yeah, you can't say gold and stardust because they're separate entities and stardust isn't a hyphenated name. So you're saying that Goldust is now just gold. Get with it, WWE. Get with it. I say Golden Stardust, too. Does that mean I'm wrong? (laughs) Way to make me feel self-conscious about myself. Well, you should just really ask me before you say anything out loud. No, um, (laughs) I get what they're doing, but it's just, I don't know, it's it's minor. It's just bothersome. Probably, Probably only to me. Uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I think that's going to about do it, do it for us here tonight. Um, Just look it up. You guys come to Buffalo week seven. Yes. We'll think of something clever. Maybe even put it on the show. Yeah, I'm sure we'll figure out something. We'll have to do it the week before, obviously, because we'll air yeah. after the game, but... Of course. Well, think of something to go along with that game there. I had no idea you were a Vikings fan, first of all. Yeah, I'm, it's actually weird because I'm from California, so it makes no sense whatsoever. But I've been following Adrian Peterson since his college days, and um, 
I don't know. It looks like we built at least a serviceable team this year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to do much, but they they surprised the hell out of me this past yesterday. So I'm excited. Hey, I got I got Corderell Patterson on two of my fantasy football teams. I'm very happy with the way he performed. You should be, because son of a bitch, that boy was trucking, man. You see that one where he made like seven different group defenders miss? Yeah, it was like he was just saying nope all the way down the field. Nope, 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 not today. And being wrestling fans, we bring it full circle. <laughs> He's Tony Acero. I'm Harry Broadhurst. Make sure you join our friends, Sean Garmer, Paul Brian Leeser, and Gary Jovan as Wrestling to the Max returns to Monday nights this evening. For Tony, I'm Harry. This has been the Raw Reaction for September 8, 2014. I want to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time here on Blog Talk Radio and Powerhouse Radio, the presentation of Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. Good night, everybody. Those bitches!